for yep. sure. I, I listen to like Chief Keef in the gym. Yeah. Like, if you catch me listening to like Chief Keef like in my apartment with headphones on, like, that would never happen. You know what I mean? Like, Bill, that's the shit I don't like. <laughs> of Raj Nation Innovations Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, a.k.a. The Raj Nation. I am your show's host. I'm the founder of Raj Nation Innovation, a hip-hop artist, and a yoga instructor. Above all else, I am a storyteller. And I am joined by my co-host, Victoria Cohen. Victoria is the voice at the blog almondsandasana.com. She's also a yoga instructor and a community activist focused on making positive lifestyle choices that impact you and the people you serve. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. And in this episode, we sit down with Ben Hewitt. Ben is partner and head of sales at Hunt Club, as well as operating partner at the investment firm New Coast Ventures. And we have a conversation that a lot of founders need to consider more, and that is the idea of integrity. Specifically, how do you uphold or how do you maintain your integrity, specifically as your business grows? Before we dive into the conversation, I want to give you an invitation to join our tribe if you're not a member already. Head to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com, enter your email address there, and you will never miss another episode of the show. Getting an email in your inbox every Monday when we drop a new episode, as well as stories throughout the week around pitching your startup and branding your startup. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation with Ben Hewitt. How do you uphold your integrity? Let's listen in. One of the things that I've thought about recently and, and actually often is specifically in entrepreneurship and the startup community, there's kind of this dichotomy between um, winning at all costs, doing whatever it takes to be successful and doing the right thing for 
sustainable, sustainable success for growing relationships. Um, and, and I've been thinking about kind of the way that those intersect and it, uh, as you know, I've thought more about it. It seems to me that kind of the, the way that, uh, doing anything but the right thing is short-sighted. You might win a deal. You'll never work with that person again. You might get a meeting. You won't actually close around. It's, it's something that I've just thought. And as I've grown and been influenced by people and, and had mentors that have been, you know, very successful in the venture capital community, very successful business people, the, the, the connection between all of them is their integrity. And, and it doesn't matter what kind of vertical they're in or what market they're in, that seems to be what makes them successful. Um, so yeah, I've been thinking about it and thought I'd bring it up to you guys. I think this topic is coming up at an interesting time because if you look at <laughs> you already, you already <laughs> so, I mean, I was watching the news this morning. So, you know. Okay, so there's, so there's a few things that I, that have been happening recently. One, integrity of the current administration mm-hmm. of the US. Two, in the tech startup community, you have situations like Uber, um, and honestly, Uber's not the only one. There are other major tech companies totally. that are treating their employees well, either not paying them fairly or discriminating against certain genders or gender or, or um, people of certain ethnicities. And then you have, amidst all this, you also have kind of the competing short-term interests that you kind of talked about which is you're trying to achieve some big ambitious goal on a very short timeline. And in order to do that, and this is in both, say, the politics uh, sphere and the private sector, political and private sector, um, you're trying to achieve certain goals. And in order for you to be considered a success, you have to achieve them in a certain timeline or at least a perceived timeline. And a lot of times in order to accomplish that and, and make it happen in that timeline, you have to have some trade-offs. Those trade-offs, unfortunately, may be parts of your own character. So with that sort of premise, how do we start, I guess, shifting that conversation to say maybe the timelines aren't realistic or to say how do we still make those timelines and not sacrifice our character or integrity I'm going to throw one other thing in there yeah <laughs> just to really make this long <laughs> um, I think also really interesting right now are um, companies that are facing issues of integrity where it's just not a clear line right like Facebook or other social media platforms trying to figure out like okay, the idea is that everyone gets an equal voice, but then there's a lot of people spreading hate and spreading all sorts of bad things. And so there's a question of like, what should be censored? What should be taken down? And that that gets really tricky as well. So just throwing that up yeah. there also. <laughs> I think that to, to start off with the first point, the two things that jump out to me are uh, success and timeline. And I think that the first thing that you need to do is define what success is. Uh, the current administration... You know, if you're saying that sacrificing integrity gets to, makes you successful, sure, maybe you win a presidency. Success could be measured as do you affect change in that office? Um, in terms positive of, change, po- well, positive, <laughs> positive, positive change, or you know, or what what your legacy is, or you know, right. there's d- different. Or ways like, are you that. actually following through on what you 
what you told your constituents you were going to right. get them. Right, right. And so defining success is, is, is a variable there. And then also the timeline. Um, is, is success uh, becoming a large company like Uber? Is success being a large company for 200 years like, you know, uh, like other companies? You know, so it, it depends on what that is. And I think that time will tell that the difference between larger scale success, longer term over a longer timeline, and shorter term winning a presidency, becoming a, a large tech startup, the difference between that and, and sustainable success is, in my opinion, in integrity, doing the right thing. Um, and you know, only time will tell, but I think that that's where things like legacy and, and you know, it, it depends on, are you in it for long-term success? Or are you in it to, you know, to not get too political, win the presidency, win the presidency, and then check that box check that, that you box did off it and, and scram. Move on, right? So, <laughs> right. And which I think that's all he wanted to do. No, I totally, I totally, I totally think that's what he wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how could you not? I'm just teasing. So, you're you're right. It's the definition of success should probably be better defined, not just like within a company, but as a, I think as a collective, how do we define success? Because you look at. And I think there's a lot of perceived success, which might not be actual, and that depends on your own metrics, but and maturity level, I think too. Because I remember several years ago thinking, and this is before I was deeply embedded in the startup community, I'd just be like, "Oh, so and so is building a company. Oh, wow, that's so amazing! Look at what, like, look at that's so cool that they're doing." Which it's still cool if someone wants to build something. But then as you get more into it, you're like, well, most companies are not profitable. Right. And in like year five, maybe they actually break even if they're lucky, uh, especially if they take investment. And so then I look at, not, like, you know, like now my lens is more, I'm just not necessarily like surprised by much. And I'm not, I'm also not necessarily impressed by a whole lot anymore. And I don't mean to sound like jaded. I'm just, I think I have more of a, how, how should I put it? I was actually I was listening to my friend uh, Daniel DiPiazza's Rich Twenty Something podcast this morning, and he was talking about the concept of optimist realist, being an optimist realist, and mm-hmm. he was like James Cleary, Noam Chomsky. These are all people who are optimistic realists. I think that's where I'm at now. But when you look at a company like Twitter, seven eight years ago, massive success by everyone's definition for the most part. Now I look at them and I'm like. Yeah, I use their platform pretty regularly. Right. But they can't get any, like their stock price sucks. They can't get anyone to buy them. People don't want to advertise with them and people don't really love working there either. So in this interest of trying to be too much too soon and going for the short-term success, did they sacrifice and potentially kill any chances of having that, you know, maybe their legacy ends up being the one that, that failed. The platform that Donald Trump loves. That's their legacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's their legacy. I mean, seriously, you know? I mean, it, it is it is interesting because even on a smaller scale than, than a Twitter, the, the, the things that you do and it comes back to kind of do whatever it takes to be successful versus, you know, do things the right way. Um, if you are able to sell a company and, and make millions of dollars and you trampled people along the way and then you go live on a hill somewhere by yourself for the rest of your life, is that necessarily better or worse and, and who's to say than doing the right thing by a lot of people, making less money and then sharing that money with the people that you've 
accomplished all of this, all of these things with, right? Like it, it is a personal choice. Like, it, and, and there's no, there's no way around that because some listener might be like, yo, I'll take a hundred million dollars and run. Like, and other people would be like, well, I'd rather take 10 and have like all of my friends go to like, you know, big boxes and like go to do whatever we want to do. Like, you know what I mean? So it, it, it does kind of depend. Big boxes? Well, big boxes of like, uh, sorry, like sports games, concerts. Oh, okay. You know, like, like buy out. So we're just going to just sit in cardboard boxes. Listen, I'm not bad. Or go to Walmart. Big box Yeah. No, like go do things with people. Like, you know, like that, like, and for me, like, and and the success that I've been around and the people that I've been influenced by. And I think that that's also a big part of, of how you define what that is, is like the people that you keep around you and, and the, the ambitions that you share with people, right? Um, and, and so it just comes down to like, if we're doing this podcast and like, I call you out on something, like you're probably not gonna work with me again. <laughs> but if we have a spirited disagreement about something like, okay, well I respect his opinion and like that was tough, but fair, like, it's a very simple difference, but mm-hmm. somewhat nuanced, right? Like, yeah. you're like, oh, I like him, but we just disagree on that one thing, right? Like, and that's kind of the difference that I'm trying to navigate of being tough, but doing the right thing and you not sacrificing success, but not sacrificing your integrity either. I So I think this is interesting now because it gets more into like the micro individual day-to-day level. And actually one of the things I've been gnawing on recently has been, so with my business, I sort of, like, I realized in the last few weeks, I have a choice this year. Like, if I want to, I could make a lot more money. Like, if I just stayed really diligent with my own sales process. But what I realized over the last, like, two, three weeks, I was like, I've been able to do really high-quality work with a client I really enjoy, with a startup that I really enjoy working with. And I haven't felt like I'm behind on everything else at the same time. I'm able to dedicate like a good amount of time to them and not, and I, I juxtaposed this against a few months ago, I had onboarded like four clients in like two weeks and we were all starting at the same time, like around the same time. And I just constantly felt for like a solid month and a half, like my heart was going to like beat out of its chest. <laughs> Cause I was just like under so much stress of having to get so many things done for, for these different startups like at the same time. And then I would say out of my own reasonable amount of complacency, but also just being like, yeah, I'm a little bit more comfortable now. Maybe that's a good thing. I dialed it back a little bit and now I can like my original projection for the year. I'm like, you know what? I think if I really want that, I can still hit it. But is that revenue figure I created arbitrary or is it like, like, do I really need that? Or is it an arbitrary number mm-hmm. I created? And if it's, if I don't really need it, like what's a number that's going to just make me happy and not stressed out all the time. And like, well, you know, I, I generally feel like in entrepreneurship, you're always working seven days a week because you're always at least thinking about things. I'm like, man, if I could just maybe get like my Sunday to not, or Saturday back to not do like any tangible work, Maybe that'll protect my sanity long term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was gonna say I. I definitely think it's a a cultural mindset, kind of like you were saying that you know, of making that decision and that sort of a personal thing. But I definitely think that there's like a, a cultural shift in the idea of like you know, 
if you're starting a company, you know, getting it profitable, exiting, selling it, moving on to the next thing, you know, constantly kind of going as opposed to like building something that's that you're going to be at forever. I mean, I don't I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, go into building their business with the hopes that it's going to become really successful and they're going to make a lot of money and get out as opposed to like, and not that that's right or wrong, but that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Like, as opposed to saying, I'm going to build a company and I want to run it for the, the duration of my life. And, and that's, that's my goal. And, and even to that piece, like the, the idea that doing right by three clients versus doing half work for 10, right? Like, mm-hmm. It, the the long-term game that I'm kind of thinking of is that, you know, this opportunity that you're doing right now might not be the end, but the relationships that you are building will help you down the road. Like, I think that one of the things that myself included, like, I, I get really stuck up on is, like, I have an insane drive to be successful. And, like, in my mind, I know what that is. And, like, I can't stop. Like, I just can't. I have to continue to do that. But, like... Well, this is a little bit different, but I'm turning 30, so I'm freaking out about that. But <laughs> but, but but high level, so I feel old, but high level, like I'm going to be doing no matter what I do, even if I exit a company and make a bunch of money today, it's not necessarily about the money because I'm still going to work. Like I'm yeah. still going to do stuff and it's still going to be the people that I've met along the way that you continue to interact with. So like, I think that in this pursuit of success and a lot of times it's monetary and I'm trying to suggest that it's not always monetary, but you, you build towards this thing and then you're done but life isn't life isn't that black and white right like you continue to work you continue to do things you continue to interact with people so how do you navigate like the 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 road versus the destination if Mm -hmm. that if that makes sense right yep no i think that definitely makes sense i think so a couple weeks ago i was giving a talk at general assembly this was this panel event called creating a career you love it was a pretty cool event, and one of the concepts I brought up was that, and I may have said it on this show before in a previous episode, but one of the things that I brought up was like, when you look at your work, you should treat it as your craft. So when you were alluding to my stuff and you're like, I can either do high quality work for a few or minimal quality work for a lot. Also, want to clarify that that's not directed at you. I'm no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. And I, no way was that. No, no. And, and I was agreeing with you, right? Um, I wasn't saying that to say like you're wrong. I, there's, there's, I agree with that statement at least at this stage because it's just me right now, and I know what I'm like. I'm trying to master this skill set of story, this skill of storytelling, and the way to mastery right now is not to spread myself thin. It's to be able to immerse myself with, you know, the whatever that number, that sweet spot number is, but immerse myself with the right number so I can do my best work and show up every day as the best I can be, as opposed to showing up beaten down every day because I'm so stressed out. Um, now, and then I also look at longer term. There is a way I can scale this. I don't yet know what that looks like, but I also know for me to get to that point, I've got to, like, like right now is my, like, learning phase just in terms of uh, what strategies that I employ are always working versus just sometimes working. How do, how do things need to be taught? Like, what, what philosophies and storytelling techniques need to be taught to these founders to that make the most sense for them? Or, and I keep, like, every new client I work with, 
I tweak something a little bit more because I learned something from the previous you know round that I was doing. And before I get to the point of, all right, now I just got to you know, make this gigantic and create a video platform, whatever that thing might be, I've got to know what, like what the, I've got to have a really deep understanding of that core knowledge base first before I try and like just spread the knowledge thin and water it down. Cause it, you know, it is going to be watered down to at a certain point when it goes mass, if I decide it goes mass. Mm-hmm. And to, so to bring it back to that talk I was giving, I, or the panel I was on rather, what I had said was, you know, you treat your work like your craft, you'll care about it a lot. As if you, so it's not a job, it's your craft. Like then you're committed to mastery of the craft. And within that, each you know, iteration, let's say, like each company you start, each job you have, whatever it might be, you have to look at that like a musician creates music. It's an album. So like my last company, Idea Lemon, that was an album I created. I like that. <laughs> right, the album's out. It's done. Now I'm on to the new album, Raj Nation Innovation. You're on Hunt Club. That's the album you're on right now. But you, for, I would venture to say you won't be at Hunt Club that, like when you die, assuming you don't die tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, all goes well. Hopefully it'll be around forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you may have different interests. You may say, I want to go back to Kenya, you know, right? Like, mm-hmm. So it's. I think if we look at it more like these are albums that we're putting out and people will remember our albums, but they're not going to like, we're, we're still allowed to do new things and create different types of music, quote unquote. Right. Like I have my favorite Jay Z album, but Jay Z is making different types of music now because he's exploring new, Mm -hmm. he's taking that same craft and just exploring it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm just, uh, I'm thinking in my head what album I'm on. (laughs) So what do you look at as your craft? I don't know. That's what I'm kind of think. That's, I think what I'm sort of figuring out right now. Um, like between teaching and between blogging, I think I I don't, it's something, it's something between the two, but do you think engineering, because you came from the engineering world, but do you think that's the craft and the, while you were a, by traditional standards, an engineer before, now you're just using engineering in a different application. Maybe. Maybe. You know I'm really bad at like, <laughs> synthesizing this stuff. Rod tries to pull this out of me all the time. And I'm always like, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, so bad at this. So bad. Do you, have, do you think about what your craft... So you said you have a very clear idea of what success looks like for you. Um, to a degree. Okay. I mean, like, there's different kind of buckets, right? Like I think of family, business, interpersonal relationships, extracurriculars. Like, you know, it's not just a a clear cut, like picture of I'm sitting on a porch. So, you know what I mean? Like that's not like how it actually works. But I think that what's success for me right now is just continuing to learn, like being around the smartest people I can, I can be around. And then what I'm good at and what my craft is, is making connections both to people And then in my mind, realizing that this person has a certain need and I know someone else that has a a way to fill that need or I have a way to fill that need and then actually following up and figuring that out. Because I think that that there's two kind of people, not not to oversimplify, but there's two general people that I've met in kind of the entrepreneur space. And one is will tell you how connected they are and tell you how they can help you and then never actually follow up. And one will just kind of think about it to themselves, facilitate 10 connections and solve your problem, right? And so I think that 
the 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 very short term is to become that to be able to say hey like you have a need for bringing on more clients getting your sales process and still remaining you know dutiful to your clients on a larger scale mm-hmm. like i might know a guy that might be able to hook you up with you know a couple clients that needs very specific work like that's the type of thing that i think is very important in this space because it'll in a lot of ways that to me curries that integrity thing right like if i tell you i'm going to do something and i do it like maybe five years 10 years 15 years down the road like we might have an opportunity to, mm-hmm. to work together and you say yeah like i i do like him like he came on the podcast like he did fine like he didn't, did didn't cuss too much like, <laughs> like you know what i mean but like that's the kind of idea of like there's yeah. no one where we're at right now and and that includes the companies that we work with at hunt club that are you know scaling from either series a all the way up to uh exited or, or publicly traded companies mm-hmm. that don't have a need right like so someone has to be able to recognize what that need is and help out and if you're able to do that then that's going to be what kind of moves the needle both for you and your relationship right mm-hmm. like long tangent not sure i've really made a, a distinct point but i think that there's some nuggets in there yeah well i mean so you <laughs> said you know, success is continuing to, like right now, success for you is continuing to learn and your craft, you think, is around the idea of making connections and it, be, it's, being a connector. Yeah, it's it's kind of the the idea of helping so that when you need help, you have people to kind of stand up for you, right? Yeah, so I think, and I think this is a lot of, not the, but a basis of integrity is giving without expecting something in return. Um, Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, which I think, no, you said, no, you, you're reading um, Originals, his other book? Yeah, Originals. Originals book. Um, he talks all about this, this idea that, you know, like there are, I think there's, there's givers, there's takers, and there's, I think, matchers. And actually, a matcher is what you want to be. I can't remember what the word he uses, but it's like someone who does both equally. Because right. um, if you give too much, then you end up getting taken advantage of. If you take too much, then you're a parasite, basically. Mm-hmm. But that in-between one, whatever the word he uses is, matcher maybe, that's where you have an equal flow of both. But it starts with, can you give something to someone before you ask anything in return? And can you give without expecting anything in return as right. well? And I think that's something that gets very easily, I, I, I would say more so for the inexperienced entrepreneur or the inexperienced in a business context, the inexperienced like networker. They, you're so focused on I, I think you, you're so short sighted because you're like oh I'm still trying to make my first hundred dollars or whatever I just need to make that whatever mm-hmm. that you 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 don't even think about what are the other person's needs in this scenario you just think about what do I want what do I need give me what I want what I need totally and I think it, it takes like some perspective right you have to be able to look at people and say, I don't know more than you, like, and I want to know what you know, right? It takes a long time of, of sitting in rooms with people and just listening, right? And mm-hmm. one of the hardest things when you're trying to establish yourself is to listen, like, because you want to be seen, you want to be heard, you want to be, like, respected. But the way that you do that is by learning things. Like, when, when I first founded uh, Noted years ago, my co-founder and I literally were just like, we didn't know anything. We didn't know what we didn't know. And so we were fortunate enough to have like some very like successful and very smart people take us under their wing and for reasons that I still don't know, but I want to thank them every single day. 
they they taught us and so we sat there and just listened and and then all of a sudden we're like all right so we learned these five things from this person these five things from this person these 10 things from these people and all of a sudden we're like they all have similarities regardless of where they are and it's that like they had to go through it too right like they hustled and they grinded and they worked and they didn't sleep and they had bags under their eyes but now they did it because they did it the right way and like that's kind of the point that I'm trying to make is that none of these people are like hated because they like knocked other people out of the way they just worked really hard and did it the right way and now they want to give back and do the same thing and like that to me is success like if you can become successful enough to then help the next generation of people regardless of what your craft is whether it's entrepreneurship whether it's teaching whether it's whatever it is like that is the picture of success to me. Let's pause for a moment for this quick announcement, different than what you're normally used to hearing. It's time sensitive as well. Raj Nation Innovation has been selected as a finalist for the Chicago Red Eyes Big Idea Awards. The Big Idea Awards are where Chicago's top entrepreneurs, innovators, and dreamers present their big ideas across food and drink, art and design, giving back, and tech and apps. The grand prize winners receive $15,000 worth of advertising campaign and strategy from the Chicago Tribune Media Group. Yours truly is a finalist in art and design. And if you've been listening to the show, you know I help startups with their pitch. You know I'm a rapper. I've decided to combine the two and create a hip-hop album for the startup community about the entrepreneurship journey and how to raise startup capital. Think of it like schoolhouse rock for startup life. I'm really pumped for it, but I need your help. The award show goes down on Monday, November 6th at 6.30 p.m. at Untitled Supper Club. You can buy tickets right now at www.thebigideaawards.com and enter code BIA17 for $5 off your ticket. Now, by coming to the event that night, you just might vote for my idea and help make the hip-hop album Raise Up from Raj Nation Innovation a reality. Getting a ticket not only gets you access to, well, ideally voting on my idea, but also you get past and stationed appetizers, two Gentleman Jack cocktails, a Brooklyn Brewery beer, access to the keynote talk from Spot Heroes' Mart Lawrence, an opportunity to vote for your favorite big idea, access to interactive experiences with event partners and sponsors, as well as an opportunity to win a free iPad. I could use your support. I would greatly appreciate it. I hope to see you there. Again, the website is www.thebigideaawards.com. Use promo code BIA17 to get $5 off your ticket to make it a $20 ticket overall. And the event goes down at Untitled Supper Club on November 6th, 6.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. I hope to see you there. Thank you in advance for supporting the show. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, and and it's... I I agree with that. And I think it's almost like getting to that point where you can it's like even if that person never did anything for you it wouldn't matter because like it's like you've accomplished enough to the point where you can like I think it's like you get to a point where you can be a giver all the time because you've built up you know your own credibility your own body of work it doesn't matter that you're only giving all the time Mm -hmm. because well because you took to get there yeah right right it doesn't need to be like an exchange of for every one give I get one take yes no one who is large-scale success got there without help from someone so you have taken to get there then it's your time to give like that's just kind of the philosophy yeah what's it pay it for or pay it back pay it forward yeah i think it's pay it forward you mean like the if you you buy someone's coffee behind you in line is that paying it forward (laughs) 
It, I think it's paying it forward paying if it they forward, pay the next person. I, I think know. it's pay it forward if you help someone, right? Because always, I think that's the phrase. There's no like pay it back. <laughs> pay it back is just like you owed someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back. That's like even ju- just because the person's literally behind you doesn't <laughs> mean that that's a you you paid in advance of them coming up in line. Maybe that's that ah, okay. Yeah, just pay someone. You're forwarding back. them. The, <laughs> sure, the but also pay people back. Yeah, <laughs> but also pay people back. I, I, I'm I'm like really thinking in my like I've been a little bit quiet because I've like been really thinking in my head of like applying this to like where I'm at and what I'm doing because I'm like in a new situation, a new space in terms of like teaching and blogging and, you know, just kind of like getting this new career of mine kind of going and developed. And it's funny because I feel very much the opposite. Like I, I mean, I, I like in some ways I'm taking, like I've, I've met with people that are like ahead of me sort of in this road and, you know, had some like good chats, but I feel like I'm at a place of like, I'm, I'm giving a lot. Like when you start teaching yoga, you teach for like a very small amount of money or your volunteer teaching. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you do you do things like this that are like building my brand, but I'm but I'm not like making money while you know, while I do certain things. So and even like same with my blog. So I um I don't know. It's it's just interesting because I feel like at this point it's very much of like I'm giving, giving, giving with the expectation that then I'm going to like learn enough throughout this process that then you can get, then I I don't know, but, but it's funny because I feel like both of you guys are talking about it. And so either I've got something backwards or there's two different ways. No, but this is, I mean, it starts with that, right? Like literally like you, you but you guys were just saying that like, but, but your starting was like more taking. So I guess to clarify, there's a micro, like to, to narrow in even further. Yeah. Like you have to do. Totally. Before someone put, like sticks out. Right, 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 right. You're in the Okay, so maybe that's what Right. Like for, like the, before we, we raised any money or had anyone mm-hmm. kind of help us, Tim and I, my co-founder, worked like six, eight months while we had other jobs at nights on right. weekends. You know what I mean? Right, so right, there was right. That yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course, did. of course. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Anyways, I'm just thinking about well, it. Well, I think even so, like, the... So let's take it back to, like, February or March when we mm-hmm. got together and you were like, hey, I'm thinking about, like, what can I do to be yeah, 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 a yeah. citizen? And I was like, okay, you could probably start this blog or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, so that siloed moment was... An example. Where yeah, 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 where I got advice right. or I so got, took, yeah, 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 right. totally. So you took, but I was able to give in that process. Totally. Because I'm happy to share that advice that I have. But then also the way you give back is by actually following through. Right. And, being, right. and like, it was like five days later, you're like, hey, here's the first draft. <laughs> and I was like, right. wow, that was super quick. <laughs> <laughs> Once I put my mind to something, yeah. like, it happens. Yeah, that's the engineer at work. I just have to, like, decide on yeah. it. So that's... No, but it's, it's also interesting, too, though, like... I was having this conversation recently with my dad and I've had it like with my husband and um, sort of navigating again this new this like new sort of career and new world of like teaching at a bunch of different places and being a, a, because I think a lot of times the like fitness teaching maybe especially yoga teaching world can be a little like wishy-washy a lot of times teachers just like don't show up or they show up late and um I'm like super conscientious I'm always early that's just like kind of my personality um and so I like I take it very seriously and um it's just interesting to like 
be in a very different industry that's sometimes taken lightly and but be taking it very seriously but I think it's really important because that has helped me become successful in like getting quite a lot of classes pretty quickly I think because I'm like trying to maintain that integrity of like still being a really conscientious person even in a situation where like that's not necessarily the norm and you know do what you I feel mean? that that will lead to success I think so yeah, yeah. So this, I'm glad you brought that up because that, you know, we think about this concept of integrity. It's very, e- and it's, integrity is not just like, do I steal or do I not steal? <laughs> right. it's, it's, it can be little things like, do I show up on time, right? Do I, yeah. you know, do, do I, I bail at the last work, minute, right? Yeah. right? yeah, do I bail at the last, like those are all things right. that factor into your own integrity. And, and I think it's, it's kind of down to the point of, there is a average or a quo, and the quo is not always what you want to be at, right? It's not always good to be there. And in fact, in most cases, it's not. It's like, okay, just because everyone else is doing it mm-hmm. like that doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have to do it like that. Right. Um, just because the industry has a lot of wishy-washy teachers in it who bail last minute doesn't mean you have to also fall in line with that. And I think a lot of this kind of goes into, too, you know, the environment you choose to place yourself in, the people you choose to surround yourself with. Because if, you know, if the people around you are employing shady business practices, are doing things that cheat people, et cetera, you know, in various ways, you'll think it's okay to cheat people and to employ shady business practices. Mm -hmm. But if the people around you are upholding a high level of integrity who are... I don't know, factoring into their their structure, giving back in some way, who are going out there and going out of their way to create equal opportunity for whatever, then you'll think that that is the standard. So it's it's like, it's funny because it, it's, I think back to growing up, how my dad just always compared me to the students in India and China. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, I don't care that students here get B's and C's. That is Be better than that. <laughs> and like, it took me a long time for like, to like to really, for that to sink in. And now so I think funny. I'm kind of seeing the fruits of it, you know, years later. Cause the, you know, like I would come home and I'd be like, like the kind of the classic thing in an Indian household is like a minus or like I got 93%. Where's the other 7%. Right. <laughs> right? And that's kind of like, <laughs> that's what I grew up with. And I, I remember having a like getting into a huge fight in like sixth grade with my dad saying that like a B plus was a good grade and he was like it's not like stop thinking <laughs> oh you can get God. by with that. It's so funny. I feel like I had such the opposite experience in life. Like I remember the first time I ever got like a C on anything and it was in college and I was like devastated. I mean I was like so, but everyone did and it, like you know it was like ridiculous and I remember calling my dad and I was so upset and he was like oh my god it's not a big deal like <laughs> it's like really not going to make any difference in your life you got to get over it I was like no it's so bad <laughs> well see and, and my dad's philosophy wasn't like that and I only see this years later it wasn't the fact of like the A or the B wasn't right. the point he was contending he was like are you putting in like All your, your effort. best effort yeah, or no because totally. if you think you can get by with minimal effort then you're sorely mistaken right and that's probably why my dad was like, it's not a big deal. Cause like he knew you tried as hard as yeah. you could. Like you got to see it and know it that well. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the things that I think about is the idea of like what, like understanding what's your average or what, what is the average you have there and how are you being better or different than that average? Mm-hmm. Totally. 
and it's not necessarily finite. Like there are things that you can do in a leadership position that are the correct thing for the overarching company or group of people that aren't necessarily individual. You know, it, it's not just this is right, this is wrong in particular situations. Mm-hmm. But I think that going back to what you said, kind of the, the, the people that you surround yourself with, um, it, it's why a lot of times when people invest in startups, what they'll think about more than almost anything other than like the product, the problem, the traction is the team, right? Like, mm-hmm. do these people know what they're talking about? Are they good individual humans? Like no one's going to just invest in a company for someone that they think might be shady or short term, right? Um, and that's one of the things that I, I can say confidently that when Tim and I moved over to Hunt Club that we were sold on was just the caliber of people. Each individual person fit exactly that mold. The culture was being was being built as we were uh, coming on where it was just this perfect blend of do what it takes to be successful and it will be successful and we will succeed for our clients in any situation. And I truly believe that, but also always do it the right way because it's a people business. It's relationship driven. You cannot do wrong by people or you will feel it long term. Right. So you have this this fine line of integrity plus drive. And that was what I was like, yep. I'm in. Like, that's what you need. That's the group of people that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is exactly what you're saying of the people that you surround yourself with are going to kind of set the bar. But also in the same way, you have to remember that what you do also sets the bar too. If you do something shady or whatever it is, like that drags down that average of the mean that you're talking about. So you you play up into the people that you surround yourself with, but also you are a part of that. So yep. And I think it's, that point you just made, like it starts early. You don't just decide one day, totally. okay, now I'm going to carry integrity because your past will catch up to you if you weren't to that point. And it's the decisions you make when you're really small because you don't, again, you don't just mm-hmm. all of a sudden change your behavior or change your, the way you operate because now you have money or whatever. If anything, you do, you become more of that version of yourself when you didn't have the money. So... That's where, you, you know, for growing companies, for people just starting out their journeys or whatever, it's, it's like, what are the practices you employ today that you want to carry through for years? And I look at, um, you know, and that's where you, where you see issues with like, like Zenefits when they were having all that stuff going on. Um, you know, some like, like Uber and some of these other big tech companies now, what they're running into is, you know, if they, if they weren't like that from day one, why would they be like that on day, ten, you know, 1,001 totally. and day 5,001 totally. and so on and so forth? Like, well, like one of the things I was just doing the other day, actually, or the other week was I, I will get some startups that I'll talk to who will be like, you know, we can't really afford that. Could we just do like this much? You know, could we just do a portion of it and do it for like 500 or $1,000? And I'll just flat out tell them, I'll be like, you know what, like, if that's all you can afford to spend, it's probably better that you just hold on to your money and, like, like don't spend it on me. In fact, like, don't spend it on, like, anyone, really. Like, invest it into, like, what you really need to do right now because if you just get this one part of my process and that's all you have, like, yeah, it'll help you a ton, but I don't want to be the person who, like, takes your last $1,000. It's also short-sighted, right? Yeah. Because right. you get $1,000 and they go out of business versus... They keep that thousand dollars, become a larger business, come back, and, and then come you, back. You know, like it's right. It, it's the right move. <laughs> just, yeah, for for all parties. And I, and I think it's it's it really like you have to embrace the long game. And it's I think it's really hard to embrace the long game, um, if you don't know what the 
kind of what you said, like your success measure totally. is. If you don't know what the success looks like, and if you're not comfortable with getting there, then that's when the feel you feel the need to cheat, lie, steal, etc. In whatever capacity that might be, that's where it catches up to you. Right. And I think too, like lies catch up to you. Like it's oh, really yeah. hard. I don't know if you ever like. Like I mean, obviously we've all like lied in our past, right? But it's really hard to maintain a lie because if it didn't really happen to you, you're taking the picture you created in your head and then to try and replicate it a bunch of times over, it gets distorted and then you, you forget yeah. what version of the lie. I mean, that's literally what's happening with yeah. the whole Russia thing. It's like what a tangled web we leave yes. when first we practice to deceive. <laughs> ah, <laughs> nice. Wait, I didn't re- what's the full saying? It's... um. What a tangled web we weave when first we practice to DCU. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that one, was right? the full saying. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good one, right? <laughs> I like it. I like it. So True. it's that that's, and again, like that's kind of what's happening now with the presidency and with the administration is it, it's, if you build it on lies, the lies catch up and then you're, you're, you're struggling to figure out which lie are you keeping up with today. And I think unless you're, what's the dude's name from Catch Me If You Can? which even then that caught up with him but no, he was, it always does and, and it's always amazing whether it's like a politician or you know an actor actress um, athlete whatever when you know they're they you know cheat or they steal or lie or whatever all these things it always comes out like no one ever dies and you're like wow they had this whole crazy past no one knew about that's like very very rare <laughs> like yeah. it usually always comes out yeah people yeah. know no but back back to just because i've been thinking about it even more like back to the um you know, the whole sort of like with this yoga teaching and, and, and feeling like a really a deep need to like be really conscientious and be on time and, you know, be accountable and all of that. Like I said, my, I feel like my husband and I have had this conversation a few times and like, I, I think he gets frustrated on the, like this whole give and take thing. He gets really frustrated on the sometimes like, you know, we have other obligations or other things come up and he's like, part of the reason that you're doing this is because it can make you more flexible so that we can like physically, you know, that, that you're a little bit more flexible. Like these classes don't pay a ton of money. So like you can say, sorry, I can't teach this one right now. And like, you know, we're going to do something else or whatever. Some other, something else more important has come up in, in life, which totally understand. But my whole thing is like, but I'm uh, like, I don't know what exactly it is that I want to do in the future. And I want to make sure that all of these people that I'm working for at these different studios and all these different places that I have connections with always have a really good view of me in their mind. And like, if it is that I ever want to like open a yoga studio, I want to be able to come back to these people as mentors that would maybe want to help me. And I want them to have this thought in their head, like, oh, she was really great. She, you know, she was a good person. She was always there. She always did this, da, 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 da. Um, she always like took care of my business and you know, all of that. So it's just interesting. I don't know, trying to sort of play that out, the give and the take and how you like hold on to that integrity, even when it's easy to say, like, well, this is a lower priority. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, It's that's embracing the long game. Yeah. And you want to be able to be the person who, like, like Ben, you want to be a person who I am, like, like, if I think you should meet someone, I'm not worried. Is Ben going to ruin my reputation? Is he going right? to show up to the right. meeting? Right, yeah. Is he going <laughs> to show up for that meeting? Yeah. Like, I had a friend from college who asked me to introduce him to you know, some advertising executive once. And I honestly, like the first time I was like, no, like I, I honestly like, 
not too long ago, you had these pretty ridiculous, like, drinking, like, binge drinking stories where you were, like, passed out in gutters and stuff like that. <laughs> and <laughs> even more ridiculous things than that. And I, I, and I don't know if I can honestly trust you. And then, yeah. like, I, I was like, can you answer for me, like, these three questions? And I, he put some thought into those answers, and I was like, okay, fine. I'll, and that, so far, that introduction I made has not gone south, so that's good. <laughs> Um, but that's the type, like, you don't want to yeah. be the person who people have to, like, right? They question, like, totally. to use the word, they're questioning your integrity to the point where they may block opportunity from you because mm-hmm. they don't trust your integrity. Exactly. Totally. So let's transition here and talk about Hunt Club, then. So this is a company, a startup that you joined. When did you join? Uh, about six months ago. Okay. All right. So this is, by the time this goes live, this will be, like, October, so... About eight months. Yep. Uh, by this point, I'm speaking. I'm speaking in the future right now. Ooh. <laughs> so, um, Hunt Club is a newer-ish startup built around the recruiting industry. It's, it's based in the world of recruiting. A lot of people have a bad taste when it comes to recruiting. So, can you let our listeners know why Hunt Club is about just so much more than this idea of just another recruiting company? Yeah, absolutely. So, we've been around for about two and a half years now. Um, and it's a tech-enabled recruiting service that uses referrals to actually get access to people. Uh, so if you think about it, it's like an internal referral service on steroids, right? Um, and so what that actually means is kind of what we've been talking about all along. We're leveraging the social capital of 5,000 or so, we call them influencers. They're founders, CEOs, well-connected people, well-networked folks. Uh, that actually refer out of their own networks for our partners' job openings. So the idea being that if a company has a VP of marketing that they're looking to hire for, um, we have 2,000 CMOs, 2,000 you know, VPs of marketing. They, they know what it takes to be successful in the position, and they know this person personally, and they'll refer out of their own network for that job. Mm. So the real theory being... If you, get a C, if you get the CMO of Dollar Shave Club to refer for your VP of marketing, he knows what it takes to be successful in that position, right? Mm-hmm. Also, the person that he's referring is killing it at their job. They're the best. They're not looking to leave, which we call them passive candidates. So people are not looking to leave. They're doing well in their job. But then he gets an email using our technology referring him from the guy that he knows, the CMO of Dollar Shave Club, saying, hey, Raj, thought of you. Like, are you interested in this job position? I'm the CMO of Dollar Shave Club. No, you're <laughs> but so, Sweet. Yeah. So, so it works in, so, okay, so the process is that Raj is the CMO of Dollar Shave Club and he is one of your influencers. Right. And so when a job posting opens up that you think he might have someone in his network for, he gets an email notification and then he has time to think like, oh, who do I know that would be the right person? And then how does that So we make it even simpler than that. So the idea being we go out and a company will say, hey, we're looking for a VP of marketing. We will sit down and talk to that company and say, what is important for this VP of marketing, both from a job spec, also from culture fit, Mm -hmm. from all all the things that really makes them fit in this company. Then we go out and we have this technology that goes into all of our influencers' networks and finds who on paper is a good fit for that job. And then we ask using our technology for introductions. 
So Raj in this situation wouldn't even need to think about who in his network would be a good fit. Oh, you're saying, hey, Raj, we know Victoria would be a good fit. Like, you know her. Could you you, you put it out there? Even even better, we say, would you, do you think that she would be a good VP of marketing for XYZ company? Got it. And he says, you know what? I do. All he does is clicks a button that says yes. Mm -hmm. You get an intro with with him CC'd to to Hunt Club saying, hey, Raj thought you'd be interested are you interested? Cool. Nine times out of ten, you know Raj, you respect Raj, you say, sure. Whereas we're talking about the traditional recruiting service, how it typically works is you get a phone call, unsolicited, <laughs> you're in a meeting with your boss, they say, are you happy at your job? You say, stop calling me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of how it works. Now you're interested because Raj says, hey, I thought of you. And then you say, sure, I'm interested. You come in and we actually vet you for the client. So we go from a couple million candidates down to the best like 50 with a click of a button. And then we actually talk to all 50. We have a service component. So we talk to all 50 against what they said is important from a culture standpoint, from things that don't show up on paper. And then within 10 to 15 days, we present the best five or six people out there on the market to the hiring manager saying, hey, you wanted the best VP of marketing. These people are screened, referred, and interested. Cool. Now you can interview them and pick one. And so the idea really comes from like I, I, most people that I've talked to have referred people for jobs, whether it's through a recruiter, whether it's just referring someone in their own network. And so what ends up happening is a recruiter says, hey, Raj, uh, do you know anyone that might be a good VP of marketing? You say, Victoria, I get in touch with you. I get you the job as the recruiter. Raj gets maybe a text, maybe a bottle of wine if he's super lucky. <laughs> and the recruiter walks away with like 50 grand. And so we're like, well, that's not really how it should work. Mm-hmm. So what we actually do is we incentivize Raj to think about whether or not you're a good fit by saying, if you end up referring Victoria and she gets the job, you walk away with somewhere between like one and $5,000 just for your social capital. And so how we protect against him just referring everyone is that service component, right? So we actually talk to them to make sure that they're good fits for our clients. So we're not just, in traditional recruiting, you have two kind of things that happen. One is it's called contingent, where we only get paid if you hire someone that we showed you. So we throw you 200 resumes and you have to sift through them and we pray that you guys hire one. Or there's retained, which means that you pay me regardless of whether or not you find someone, I am just your recruiter. And the problem with that is my motivation is not really to go out and find all these people you're already paying me, right? So right now it's just a misaligned market, but so incredibly important. So we're kind of democratizing that and using technology to make it way, way better, way faster and and easier for everyone. Cool. Now, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but (laughs) as you were talking about that, I was like, well, this is a whole business built around the concept of integrity. Yeah. Totally. Because. That's why he was saying earlier, right? You were like, when I when this sort of opportunity came, you were like, yes, like I definitely want to do it. That's what this is all about, Absolutely. right? Like the idea being that you're only going to refer people that you actually trust because exactly. it is your social capital, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you don't want to look bad by referring someone that is not good for the job, right? But if the person is a good fit, you'd love for them to get a new job, right? If they are a good fit, the company would love access to that person. Right now, unless they're looking for a job, you can't get access to that person. So using this network of people that all know each other, we're able to get access to people that companies can't. That's why we're working with 
all of the biggest scaling companies in Chicago, the Outcome Health, the G2 crowds, they're, they're coming and they're saying, hey, we need good people. We can't hire fast enough you know, without making some mistakes, regardless of how good our internal recruiting teams are. Like, we need to access your network. We're working with VC firms to help them fill out their portfolio companies just because basically talent is what makes companies successful. And so you can't make mistakes at an early stage. You can't make high-level mistakes at a later stage. How do you insure against that? You use referrals, so we make it faster and easier. You use a service. We put a service on top of our technology. And so for us, we're coming into this space in a totally new way and having success with these people and then doing it the right way. And then they come back and use us again. My job is just to get people in the door and 99.9% of the time they use us again. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, I start to visualize in an ideal world where Hunt Club is super successful, it's actually creating a culture of more integrity all around. Because if I'm only gonna refer people who I trust and more people are aware that Hunt Club is a service that's out there, they're going to want to be trusted people who can be referred. Totally. So ideally, it just builds up everyone's individual kind of just goodness yeah. at the end of the day, right? I mean, I think that that's something that like companies think is important too. Like you'll see companies giving back, you'll see companies setting up mm-hmm. uh, initiatives internally to to do those exact types of stuff, and they're tr- and the reason why they're doing that is to try to incentivize and recruit and retain quote unquote good people, right? Like. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting thing, especially in an industry that seems to be ripe for disruption. I hate that word, but like it really is. Like it's just been functioning the same way with bloated prices and slow timelines for the last like forever. So coming in and saying, hey, not only like are we doing it differently and well, but we're going about it the right way, like it's hard to dislike if you try us, right? Like mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have one more question then. Yeah. And as you started to get talk more and more about Hunt Club, I could like your demeanor started like you got kind of more animated and you started using more hand gestures and everything. So, what is it that has you excited about the future of this company? That's a really good question. So there are a lot of things. I think that like the the sky's the limit really in terms of how big this can scale as we start to work with more and more companies, and I think that that's inherently exciting. I think that the value proposition to companies is awesome. Um, because you're actually helping, like you're giving. So not only are you working with hiring managers, but you are providing a real value to them that you can then tap and say, hey, like now we want you as an influencer. Now will you refer or now can you, you know, like, so you're building inherently this network that just grows and grows and it's this flywheel effect of the more good that you do for these companies, the more people that you service on the candidate side, the bigger and better you get. So it's inherently set up to do the right thing and do it well in order to grow. And I think that our our founders and have put the pieces in place to do just that. We're about 20 people right now and every single one of them, you know, I've known them for six months, I would go to bed for it, right? And I think that that says a huge amount about the company that's being built and what's exciting about it, right? Where can our listeners learn more about Hunt Club and get in touch with you if they want? Yeah, so you can go to www.huntclub.co. Uh, and you can email me, ben at huntclub.co directly if you have any questions or concerns. Any social medias? Uh, yeah. For we, you? For me, uh, Ben Hewitt on Facebook, Ben underscore <laughs> Hewitt on Twitter. I don't really use Twitter that much. That's why I'm like, I'm more of an Instagram guy. Probably don't DM me. My girlfriend won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my buddy, uh, 
Daniel, who I mentioned earlier, who has that rich twenty-something company and podcast. <laughs> well, he had a, he's doing a lot of YouTube videos now. Yeah, he was doing some video on like some entrepreneurship, like whatever principle. And he's like, a, he's like a kind of just a naturally funny dude. And at the end of the video, he's like, "All right, so that's what I got for you today. So uh, let me know what you think. Uh, DM me, send me some nudes, or <laughs> and he just like casually dropped it." <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So let's wrap up then. Um, so we'll go one by one to give our answer based on the conversation today, starting with Victoria, then to me, then to Ben. The question today was, how do you uphold your integrity? Victoria. So I think it's about defining what you want people to think of you or to see you as or like what you want your legacy to be and then making decisions along the way that uphold that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's sort of like picking what your end game is, whether it's a short-term end strategy or long-term, whatever it is that you want to be known and recognized for at the end of the day, and then making decisions that get you to that point. With all the legacy talk, I'm shocked I didn't make any Hamilton references. Yes, that is amazing. <laughs> so... Uh, I guess I missed my opportunity there. <gasps> no, you did it. I, I threw away my shot. No. <laughs> there, <laughs> nice. there we go. There we go. Um, but uh, to, to play off that, what I've found interesting is over the years through my previous work with personal brand coaching, I've asked hundreds of people the question, what do you want to be remembered for? Um, or what do you want your legacy to be? One of those types of questions. And of those hundreds, only one person has ever said anything about how much money they made or the mm -hmm. amount of money they want to make. And the one person who did answer about money said that he wanted to make, I remember what it was, a certain number of million dollars so that way right before he dies he can give it all away to charity. And he wanted to like be able to give away X millions of dollars to charity. <laughs> and that's what he wanted to be remembered for. Um, so with that said, knowing that, I mean, knowing that the, what we're all going after at the end of the day to be remembered for, what our legacy is, is not about money. Yet we make all our decisions day to day in the name of money. My sort of my thought here on how do you uphold your integrity is focus more on what that actual legacy remembrance item is and then figure out early on how do you build practices and systems in place for yourself, for your company, etc. that enable you to fulfill that legacy ultimately. I think that's a good point. I uh how do you maintain integrity? I think that the the rule of thumb should be pretend that your mom is CC'd on every email and listening in on every mm -hmm. phone call. How about that? No, I think just I like that. Yeah, no, I, like just do do the right thing. And I think that my takeaway from this is that anything but doing the right thing is short sighted. And so if you have long term success in mind, then your maintaining integrity should automatically align with what it is that you want to accomplish. Right. So keeping that focus, keeping that perspective and taking a step back, taking a step forwards when you need to, right? And it is very hard to get back your reputation if you totally. lose it. Yeah. yeah. Very, very hard. Ben Hewitt, the best sandwich around is not the turkey club, it is the hunt club. <laughs> nice. Oh, oh man. That's Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for having me. How long are you holding on to that one? <laughs> I just thought of it. <laughs> That wrapped up our conversation with Ben Hewitt. Ben, thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your insights around what your idea of success is and how we can all uphold and maintain some integrity as we grow our endeavors. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. 
Ratings and reviews help more people find the show, and therefore more people get to discover their inner awesome. While you're leaving that review, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whatever platform it is you listen, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, or the various other podcasting platforms in which you can find this show. For full show notes, references, and resources, as well as Ben's contact information, grab it all at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. And while you're there, check out our nearly 100-episode archive of past episodes. That's right. We are closing in on the century mark of the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. That'll do it for this one. Thank you again to Ben Hewitt for joining us. For Victoria Cohen, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome, bro. My baby's sweet. I mean, she's sweeter than all outdoors. Love pours through my veins and I love my pores. I want you and I need you. Won't you come and see me? I want you. Never wanna hurt you